There it is. I'm Charles Holmes from The Ringer Music Show. And I'm Cole Kushner from Dissect. And Charles and I are teaming up to create Last Song Standing, a new show where we determine an artist's single best song by debating our way through their entire catalog. And for our first season, we're covering Kendrick Lamar. We're talking Good Kid to Pimple Butterfly, Damn, Mr. Morale, the mixtapes, the Lucy's, and the features. Listen to Last Song Standing on the Dissect podcast feed only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Cherry. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle. This week in entertainment. Actually, not really this week, because we're talking mostly about things that came out in previous weeks. I personally (laughs) was supposed to watch Bullet Train and told Micah to watch it and forgot to watch it. And so Mike is actually the only one of us who's seen Bullet Train. He's prepared to talk about it. I don't even have yeah. a good excuse. I'm yeah. still an intro voice, by the way. This is good. This is a lot. Yeah, this I've is like this. you. You. You're still doing like the transatlantic, like you know, I am sp- putting the putting the you know one eighth you know post-it note card in your in your in your in your trilby cap thing, you know, reporter yeah, yeah. type voice. Here, I don't have a good excuse. I didn't. I wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't in Afghanistan. I have no good excuse. I literally, in the time that I did not spend watching Bullet Train, I instead binge watched with my wife all of Inventing Anna, the the Shonda Rhyme show about the white, the Anna Delvey, the white chick that scammed everybody in New York. Mm, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's uh, like, it's, it's, it's hit like that. That was like, I, all of it, the whole thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Friend of this podcast, Ringer TV critic, Allison Herman, right? Allison wrote about this show. She panned it, right? I normally, I normally trust Allison's gut. I'ma have to just, I'm a soft disagree with Allison about this show. This show is not as bad as she told me it was. And she told the listen, it's chaotic. It's a little too chaotic for like 
a Shonda Rhimes thing that nonetheless has to tell a story that we we literally read about in the magazine and has like real people and real details involved. But dog, Anna Delvey's the actress's accent. First of all, that's like ninety percent of what got me through the show. It's just, every time she talks, every time she talks, it's like, she's get- is this is this like the like that 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 deleted scene from X two where like Halle Berry walks into Patrick Stewart's office and, and like with seventeen different accents, like and none of them are like I've never seen that. You have you never seen that? Okay, I've never Let- seen that. Listeners, also, if you are listening to this and you have and you are also a graduate of FX's, you know, movie night Saturdays or whatever, where they like have those two people sitting in that weird studio room replaying deleted scenes from the movies in between commercial breaks. And you remember this and you remember Halle Berry's poor accent from from this movie. Um you know, email us. Email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Because obviously Charity doesn't know what I'm talking about. And I'm not making this up. It actually happened. Yes. This is, I just feel like this is a week where, once again, you and I, in versus mode, are going to be selling each other on something that the other hasn't really, like, committed to yet. Um, I could sell you on Inventing Anna. Again, it's a conditional okay. recommendation. So, all right, like, you all right, have so this priority because you this did is, the homework. This, this time, it, here's my thing. Here's my thing okay. with inventing Anna. I don't care. The thing is, is that we've had like it's like it's it is the it is another one of these grift stories that I think you know probably we saw a greater uptick in these in 2018. I think Kate Nibs wrote about wrote about this at the Ringer before she went to Wired. And it was like around like uh, the release of the first season of the show Harlots, which is still really good. Um, go back and watch that if you haven't yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, everything is like an E true Hollywood story dramatized now, you know, because there was the pan- there was the uh Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee show there was the dropout show there was the we work show there was the like it's just sort of you know is this is it really gonna be you know that much different from the worst person you know is kind of interesting a little bit <laughs> yeah and that's what led me to dismiss like that's why also why I haven't watched the dropout right the the Elizabeth Holmes joint like it's a show that, again, Mike, I'm going to tell you, man, and listeners, I'm going to tell you, you get married, your TV consumption changes. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. It just changes, okay? It is life. It is what it is. I otherwise wouldn't have watched the show, right? But it was, like, easy to sort of sit down with my wife and be like, all right, but what is what is this? We're going to give this a chance. Yeah, yeah, especially because it was, like, one of those shows that I got sucked into. It's like my wife was watching it without me. And then I'm just like, I'm just in the kitchen chefing it up. And I just keep overhearing her accent. Her accent, Micah. I'm telling you, that's the pitch for the show right there. Is, I'm happy to pay. Do you take wide transfer? Like the whole the whole show. She's like an old-timey oh Bond villain, God. dog. That is... I'm happy like... to pay. It's so good. And it was Alyssa Burzik was telling me that there's like a whole SNL sketch dedicated to her accent. Like, it's really like the show it's, is like, off the chain. I'm, like I'm picturing, like you know, 
like likely how like the like the actual poor quality of the Holly Berry clip that I mentioned, but like with the fervor of Tilda Swinton and Snowpiercer with veneers, yeah. where she's just mm. like, so it is, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but that, but it really is like. The charm of the show really is like the Julia Garner performance because she just she just commits and it's like, okay, here I'm a you know, I I guess we're already leading into the inventing and a half of this sort of back and forth. Right. Like if I had a problem with the show and to the extent that I agree with Alison Herman about the show, the issue is just that. It's a Shonda Rhimes show, right? You can watch Grey's Anatomy. And everybody's screwing each other and all this stuff going on in the hospital. And every week somebody gets shot. And that stuff works on Grays. Right? I've watched a lot of Grays, right? The stuff on Grays works because it's just a bunch of made up people at a hospital. After a certain point of watching that show, you really don't even have to keep facts straight in your head. It's just the, you just sort of roll with Grays Anatomy, right? Scandal, I only watched the first season of Scandal. But like you, you sort of see how these like highly fictionalized, network TV ass things that Shonda does work the way they do, even though Shonda Rhimes shows are chaotic. Chaotic, right? But then you get to something like Inventing Anna and it's like, look, to your point about the deluge of scam, scam reportage that was dropping in 2018, I'll be honest with you. The original Anna Delvey, Anna Sorkin story that came out in New York Mag was a classic, like, I read the first three paragraphs of that and said, I'm sorry this happened to you, or I'm happy to, you know what I mean? It was, I read, <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, I remember uh, reading I the read first. All that. Yeah, it's just I'm not like, reading all that. I read the first three uh, paragraphs. I felt like I got it. I felt like I got the gist. I felt like I got it. It's you know like I mean? really, it's really like, yeah, you read the first three paragraphs, you're like, wouldn't let that shit happen to me though. And then you move on <laughs> to the next thing. It's like, I like, so yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to like really invest yourself in one of these scammer stories unless the object of, of like fascination is so vile and weird, like that, like you, yeah, that you have to stick around to see exactly how Amanda Seyfried is going to you know, make this is going to is going to, you know, worm her way through a situation next. Like, seriously, yeah. like the like the the way that she contorts and moves around in that little Navy gillet vest to how to love like dancing when the when the company is going under and like everybody's under federal indictment. But she's trying to have a romantic moment with her partner with some crazy shit. I would watch the show again for something like that. But like there's so like moments like that are so few and far between. And there's a lot of like explaining because again, <clears throat> like you're saying, because it's like a real world thing with articles and facts and people that like the details are, you need to get correct because it's happening in real time and living memory. Like there's a lot of exposition in these shows, like yeah. and not a lot of room for, the things that I actually appreciate in TV, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe, okay. So Allison wasn't a fan of the show. I do think though, it's different. If you're coming to the show as somebody who, who encountered that New York magazine article, right. About Anna Sorokin and you were wrapped up, you read it from beginning to end, right. 
and you're like, this is this is inter- this drama was like one of the definitive media drama things of like 2018. I'm really invested in this storyline. So yeah, I could I could totally see how you get to inventing Anna and think that the show is messy. The show kind of is disagreeable for the fact that instead of centering Anna Sorokin, it it revolves around uh, the fictionalized version of the reporter who reported that story working at a fictional version of New York Magazine. And so that forces them to juggle the narrative in this weird way that feels like they kind of suck the tension out of it because it's like, it's more about her journey getting to the bottom of it. But it also means that they never really flesh out Anna that well. Like, it's weird. Like, the show has... The main shortcoming of the show is, I would say, every three scenes, it feels like a different person starts writing her character because it's like the whole gist with Anna Sorkin is like iconic scammer. She is just able to sort of wear like 90 different masks in conversation with 90 different people. Everybody, she she sort of works people, right? That's sort of the gist of how she scams people out of millions of dollars. But then you have these scenes, like every third scene, where in a totally unironic way, she she sort of stammers and is is sort of like conducting herself like a college sophomore applying for their first internship, you know? And it's like the show can never keep straight whether the character is an iconic sociopath scammer or like a scared, helpless girl, I think is the main problem with the show. Dramatically, uh, whether you give oh, a shit about okay. the story Okay, so I can't really can't decide on whether, you know, this is mundane in a world yeah. where these things can happen and that's what we're examining, or this was a genius that pulled the wool over a bunch of yep. people's eyes, but doesn't do that flip-flopping in an interesting way. Like the interrogation right. of that question is not the point of the show, is what you're saying. Right. Exactly. Okay. It feels to- it feels right. It could there is a version of the show where it could feel deliberate, right? Where it's like, oh, she's working you, the audience. It's like a meta work, but it's not that. Yeah. It literally is just the character is not consistent from scene to scene, and it gets really annoying. But again, it's just again with a lot of Shonda stuff. I think the kind of brute force emotional stuff works. Some of the writing is funny. Her accent is funny. The fact that they write her to like constant, she's in Rikers constantly calling the reporter fat because she's pregnant. It, it's just, I don't know. It's just, there's, there's, there's the ingredients for some, it's memorable. Like a lot of the show is Stupid memorable. Fat hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, there's, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It has, it has, it has bars. Moments. It has bars and it has moments. It just doesn't amount to much by the end of it is what I would say. And there's a lot of it. It's like nine episodes of it. And the last episode is like a feature-length movie, right? So mm-hmm. if you were to be at all sort of interested in it, like it, it's one of those classic prestige TV things where, man, you're biting into a chunk of 10 hours of television, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. But also, Stewie from Succession. Oh my oh, God. Really? This show, this show makes him adorable. He is an adorable, <laughs> scrappy attorney in this show, as opposed to a fucking OVO sound esque scumbag as he is in succession. And it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I mean, like, there was, he was, he was already taking that step in the, you know, Spider Man Far From Home thing where mm-hmm. he's like, you know, the one of the, one of the alphabet boys in a windbreaker. Shaking down the teenagers <laughs> for information. Um, I do enjoy that actor. 
so yeah, uh, a cr- like a crime procedural with him as like the as the you know overwhelmed do-gooder public defendant would yeah. you know that would fly if you're listening people that make television. <laughs> now don't say that because they're gonna put up a daredevil or something. That's true. Still, they would yeah. put him in daredevil. Yeah, don't you? Good, I said that. We love you, Stewie. Um, Stare here. Know. <laughs> I don't know what else. I, I mean, that's sort of the best I can say to recommend this show. That, like, mm-hmm. I, I can see a lot of the shortcomings of it. And again, if you really were one of those people who went out for that magazine story when it came out, yeah, it might be annoying to watch. It's also one of those things where it's like, sometimes it gets media really right. Because there's a lot of scenes, it's like editors arguing in Manhattan, like Manhattan Midtown offices. And sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, they kind of get, they kind of get, they really nailing the conflicts that editors and writers really have in real life. But also it's just annoying because all of that's happening in a show that's not really actually, doesn't really feel like it should be about that kind of thing anyway. It should be about homegirl scamming people with that accent. <laughs> um, I think that's all I got on Inventing Anna. And I would love to hear you talk about Bullet Train, which I have not <laughs> Yes, I have plenty to say about Bullet Train, which is an ag- aggressively fine movie, okay? Y'all just gotta chill. But we'll get back to that after the break. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Okay, so uh, Bullet Train. Uh, what did you hear, first of all? Like, I mean, what is your... the what the on the On the wind about this movie? Because... I've already had like a, I had a whole arc with it from being, you know, enamored with the trailer. Oh my God, I love an action movie in one setting. Brad Pitt's great. I want that hat. And then I had like the, the NBA finals experience where they had like the Lemon and Tangerine characters play, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry sit down across from like different NBA stars, like, uh, and have a little 30 second bit that they did. And then, Doritos and Mountain Dew would pop up at the end and NBA finals bullet train August 5th. <laughs> like, and it was just like, oh, this is this is gonna suck. But then I went and saw the movie and it was it was fine. It was fun. I had a good time. Well, uh, 
every bit of disappointment I've heard with Bullet Train, uh, I, f- I feel like there's actually been talking points for this movie where it's a lot of people making it out to be kind of like Boondock Saints. And it's a lot of people basically calling it a ripoff of what people like about Tarantino movies. Right. Mm. The people, it's just people calling it like a discount. Tarantino which I miss, movie. which, which I think misses the mark. Uh, those like, I, I think that I have read a fair number of things that say that, that also compare it to David Leach's other movies like John Wick, uh, mm-hmm. saying that it has like less oomph necessarily because like this is it's like you know you're doing the same thing but different at this point you've already had that entire trilogy of movies you started doing another thing that was kind of the same thing with maggie q and protege and now you're uh remaking like you know the 1975 ken takamura movie i think that i'm just not willing to give tarantino all of the ultra violent western adjacent movies um like, yeah, Pulp Fiction was cool. I also watched Reservoir Dogs, uh, you know, Feet Pictures, yada, yada, yada. But <laughs> Bullet Train is more like uh, another movie that I've talked about on this podcast before, First Love, than like it is like Grindhouse or Kill Bill or whatever, you yeah. know, despite them, like, it, it, despite Leech obviously borrowing some of the similar kind of comedic hijinks, like, um, let's see, what was it? When the Black Bomba bites, uh, what's his name? And then, like, she just kind of wanders around looking through his trailer for the, for, for the sword, um, for the Hanzo sword while he's like writhing to, and, you know, dying and agonizing and very loud, gross sounding death. Uh, a similar thing happens in Bullet Train when Brad Pitt kills the Zazie Bates character. <laughs> she's like, uh, she's this, she's known codename Hornet for administering this poison that causes you to bleed from your eyes and vomit blood and, you know, it's irreversible and whatever. But she's, she pricks him with it, with like, uh, with a syringe. And then they just kind of like have a Mexican standoff because he's just like, I know you have anti-venom. <laughs> Because like she pokes her, she pricks him with it, and then she he he grabs it out of her hand and stabs her with it, and so they're both just kind of looking at each other, and then like she waits, he waits for her to reach for the anti venom, and then when she reaches for it, he grabs it out of her hand and jabs himself with it, <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, dude, did you only have one? Oh, dude, like oh, like the entire time <laughs> she's dying, <laughs> and it's so funny, but like." There's there's so yes, there are things like that that you might recognize as that seem familiar, but like this feels more like, you know, dead or alive too than like um than 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 any of the Tarantino movies. Like it's sort of like kind of video game violence rather than with, with some cones thrown in there. From Hiroyuki Sanada, as who you know presents himself as an elder at the end to give some of the violence some meaning, you know. Yeah, but it's not really. You can't really say that the violence has a point. Um, you can't really say that the story 
comes together, kind of like in the same way that Atomic Blonde didn't really come. Like, I mean, you watch Atomic Blonde for the vibes. You watch you watch it for like the German cover of Major Tom that establishes this pattern between like the past and present that then makes the time like the story impossible to follow. You're just like, whatever. James McAvoy looks good in a vest and Charlize Theron looks good in everything. I'm I'm riding with this movie. Like it's really like kind of where you have to be at. Not like I want to learn something about um espionage in the late 80s, you know, around the collapse of the Berlin Wall. Like right. I, like it's it's you'll go to that feeling disappointed because I mean, honestly, Bullet Train takes place in Tokyo, but actually takes place in some, uh, like, on a green screen. Like, it's just sort of things that are suggesting Tokyo around. Um, Which, I mean, like, honestly is fine. It doesn't, it's like, it's, I think that there's a lot that you can latch on to if you want to find an issue with there being an originally, uh, Asian story, Asian script with now mostly white or American characters because they needed to sell the movie. Like the story um, comes from uh, a a novel called Bullet Train or actually the original title was Maria Beetle by Kotaro Asaka. And he himself was just kind of like, you know, well, at least they're making it, you know? Yeah. And really, which is always what Japanese creators do. When stuff is that, it's always what they do. <laughs> like, look, they like it's man, just like at least they're making it, man. Like, and for it being like a bull in a china shop recreation of like, you know, a story that might have been handled better in the seventies. Like from the clips that I've been able to watch yeah. on YouTube, the, the original thing. Um. But I mean, I wasn't expecting the wheel to be reinvented. You know? Wait, can I ask then, did you watch, because um, I also saw Discourse that reminded me of Kate. Did you watch that movie, Kate? Yes, Which I did I, I watch Kate. Watched it. We what did you think of, I don't I, like, I, I, I also enjoy Kate. We talked about Kate because we were talking about the, uh, there was sort of, um, the backlash around the costumery of the movie. Oh, like, right, right, uh, right. A specific, like, I mean, specifically things that could have been left out, like, um, at one point in a chase sequence, she and the girl that she's trying to save, uh, jack a car. And it's like this highly offensive, poorly looking, painted, you know, Mitsubishi Lance with a lift with a lift kit and like, you know, uh whistle tips on it and neon lights on the bottom. Like anybody drives a car like that anymore. Like it looks like a car from Tokyo Drift and it and they play during the chasing, they play like hyper pop music. Like, yeah. you know, and it just feels very caricature-y. There are th- there are a lot of things like that in the movie. Um but which I mean, like you know, that's our points against it. But at the same time, it's a good it's a good time. Like I yeah. think that 
I think what I said before and since and have been saying for some time is that Mary Elizabeth Winstead should have Scarlett Johansson's acting career. I mean, action career. This movie is proof of that. Um, and I mean, like, honestly, Bullet Train, you'll be disappointed if you go into it expecting, like, to get some sort of Reservoir Dogs type experience. It's more like that movie that uh, just came out with uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Sandra Bullock, who's also at Bullet Train. Um, I mean, like, the lighting and everything is the same. Uh, the Lost City. Yeah, The Lost City. The one with Channing Tatum. I watched that on an airplane back from New York a couple months ago, and it's a really good airplane movie. Bullet Train is also a really good airplane movie. Wait, so can we talk about this for a second? Can we stick... Let's let's talk about this airplane movie. So... Mm -hmm. Because I want to, I want to, I want to unpack this a bit. So people who listen to this podcast will know that I frequently brought up my sort of everything is a lie experience on an airplane when I finally watched Batman v Superman, and I watched that movie on a plane, and I realized that everything that every critic told me about that movie is a lie, and that movie is good. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever, but Batman v Superman, I watched it on a plane. I actually watched it and then watched it again on a plane. This is a long flight. It's a flight from Hong Kong to New York. I watched Batman v Superman twice. And I talk about this all the time. I really liked that movie. I felt like a lot of the criticisms that I had read for years before I finally got around to watching it were, were wildly overstated. But if I step back and look at my experience with watching movies on planes... And to think that there, there are people who are precious about like, oh, watching movies on your computer. You have to go to a theater. Look, man, I'm watching movies on planes. We're, we're way past that. I've only, frankly, had like two, two. I think I can only count two movies that I've seen on a plane that really cleared the bar for me. Number one is Batman v Superman. You know what the second movie is, Micah? What? Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Emily Blunt, Ewan McGregor. What? Uh, that's it. Like weird, random wow. British rom-com wow. that I also watched twice. I think on the same flight from Hong Kong to New York. <laughs> now, that said, the reason I bring this up, not just because you talked about airplanes, because earlier you were talking about Atomic Blonde. And that was a movie where I watched Atomic Blonde on an airplane. I think at a different time. I actually think, I, I can't remember, but... I watched Atomic Blonde on an airplane and I was actually kind of surprised by how much I didn't really like on paper. That movie is me bait. Right. But I just didn't click with it. You know what I'm saying? And it's I don't know what it was. And if I really it's like, what's another movie I saw on a plane? What's the movie? What's the um the superhero movie with Michael B. Jordan and the white boys? Uh, that's not Black Panther, obviously. Um, oh, uh, it starts with a C. What's yeah. Uh, uh, trivia time! Trivia time! What is it? Uh, Chronicle. It's Chronicle. 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 Okay. Yes. Chronicle. Yeah. Yeah. Chronicle. Another one where it's like that, that. To me, is like one of those things that you could call a definitive plane movie because it's like a superhero movie, but it has a sense of like it doesn't have the sense of scale, you know? Yeah. Like it it yeah. lends itself to yeah. watching it on a small, crappy like the back of someone else's seat. I think uh, it's like honestly. It's like bullet train. 
almost derides you for trying to like find a through line in its story. Um, like it really is like what let's throw a bunch of two dimensional characters on a on a train together yeah. and watch them bounce around the walls and you know, like and and see what happens at the end. Like there's nothing that you could call development. There's nothing that you could call like, you know, realization, closure, anything that you want to like, there's not like this isn't a meditation on anything. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just yeah. like it's just you know, it's just a good time. I think that, um, like, for instance, like, really, my only real hang-up with, with the movie um, was how it kind of, like, was attempting to split the difference between being nonsensical and trying to come around into the vicinity of having a point. My only real issue with the movie is that it wasn't dumber and didn't think less of itself. Like, uh, for instance, there is lim the Lemon and Tangerine characters. Uh, they, you know, have their Guy Ritchie quick force perspective switch back and forth talking thing going on where they're in so few words explaining why they're there, what they're there for, what they're doing, uh, and how they got there. One of them involves like, you know, why did the white death who is, you know, this kind of smoky ghost-like character, the specter above the story, um, kind of like a kingpin who is not to be trifled with and you better have his money on time type of person. Brian Tyree Henry says, um, you know, like, why would he hire two nobodies? And Aaron Taylor Johnson says he didn't hire two nobodies. He wanted the two blokes that did the Bolivia job. And there's this flashback to, like, Brian, the two of them, like, in trash bags and goggles, it like, covered in blood spatter, each with a machine gun slung over his shoulder, and Brian Tyree Henry is stuffing a severed foot into an oil drum. And and in the jungle, like and in the distance, you could just see that everything is on fire, and neither one of them says anything during the flashback, and then they just go back to them sitting on the train, and the 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 theater was dead silent, and I was cackling, like like my girlfriend was also in there being bears because like I was just like they are never gonna bring this back, they're never gonna explain what the Bolivia job was, what they did there, why it turned out that way and I think that's really fucking funny <laughs> but then they keep doing this thing where they bring the flashbacks back and they tie them all together at the end and it is so uh, exhausting yeah like and it's just kind of like if it would have just been like we're just gonna on a lark because because we can we're just gonna do this thing that's funny and kind of ridiculous but doesn't really take you too far out of the story um like, I'm thinking specifically about um, the scene in Logan Lucky. Have you seen that? I haven't seen Logan um, Yeah, so Soderbergh heist film where he's sort of, I don't know, making fun of, of how bad Ocean's 12 and 13 were. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But it's like the, 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 the NASCAR raceway heist thing. They're setting it up. 
um, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver or whatever. Adam Driver in one scene is just kind of like, you know who you got to go see. Like, you know, because they're trying to... I, I can't remember which stage it is. Maybe they're finding signal jammers. Don't remember. But he's just like, you got to go see... Um, you got to go see... Uh, all right, hold on. Let me take that again. Three, two, one. You got to go see Big Bear. He's just like, uh, who? And then, like, it's not like he says, who's Big Bear? It's not like there's some sort of explanation about what Big Bear does, you know, like why he has this sort of pull, why he's, you know, is this resourceful, why you would go specifically in, you know, just in rural Kentucky to some guy named Big Bear for signal jammers when you want to do, like, a bank heist job. It is a single scene where Channing Tatum walks onto the screen and another character, like in the middle of the woods and another character walks onto the screen in like a, like a giant yellow bear suit and tosses him a bag and then walks back off the screen. And that's it. it, they, it, it, it like it never comes back. They don't ever reference it again. And it's so fucking funny. And I wish that like Bullet Train did more stuff like that instead of trying to like sort of ingratiate itself in a space almost yeah, is okay. what the movie feels like it's doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, again, like if the flat, the flashback thing would have worked for me if they didn't try to tie all the flashbacks together. It sounds like you're describing the classic problem that we talk about all the time in this podcast. It should have been more anime bullshit. It should have been. It should have been more anime bullshit. It should have been more anime bullshit. It should have been more anime bullshit. The parable of the story. Brad Pitt, Brian Tyree Henry. Take notes. Um. Wait, but you describing the bit with Brian Tyree Henry reminded me of the last bit of uh criticism that I picked up that I gleaned. Um. What's Brian Tyree Henry's accent in the movie? (laughs) Oh man, it's so bad. Like it's <laughs> what is it's which like, nationality is he doing? It is like I mean like it's literally you are watching it and the and don't get me wrong like Brian Tyree Henry is absolutely delightful and you're having a good time in, in spite of it and he gets a scene that is like unexpectedly like emotionally powerful at the end of it. Like, like I was just like, where the fuck did this come from? Am I tearing up in here? But like, yes, his accent is absolutely awful. It sounds like Paperboy got like, you know, you know, somebody wrote a movie for Paperboy and he's acting in it, but he's about to walk off set and ask Ern, where the fuck is my dub sack at or whatever. I don't like, it's like, there's no, like the accent is you remember when everybody was make cracking the same two jokes about 21 Savage when they found out that he had yeah. British nationality oh, British citizenship? No. That is what the accent sounds like. You no. know, Tally Ho, my good whack snapper, like you know, like it's it's no um, it's kind of like you if you had watched if the only like British film you had ever watched was Green Street Hooligans and you based your whole shit on like Charlie Hunnam. Mm-hmm. That is what your accent would sound like. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and still, and still he gets, he, and still he gets his shots off in that movie. The, even though the accent is annoying. We'll see. Now, I just want to point out that we found a common ground of, uh, 
the the warring accents, the Anna Delvey accent versus um that is the crux of our recommendations to one another this week, I feel like. Um I don't know, bullet trains I I I just I brought up just before the thing about the airplane movie just because like I am tra- like it, everything you say about this movie does sound like it is it is a potential classic in airplane cinema but also I'm trying to work through why airplanes more than anywhere else are like the place where I'm toughest on movies you know so maybe I yeah. shouldn't watch Bullet Train in an airplane Maybe I should I should watch Bullet Train in the place in my you know in the comfort of my home where I can be open hearted my famously open hearted uh, charitable self where I can take it easy on this movie not overthink it uh, not take it that seriously like you said I, I I agree with all of your points about like after a certain point you you can only give Tarantino so much credit for ultraviolence and comedic effect in yeah. that kind of movie. You know what I mean? Like and yeah, that's just, I just so many so many of the reviews that I encountered were all kind of making the same kind of boondock scenes. Like, hey, I watched this movie when I was this age yeah. and there were no other movies like it between then and now <laughs> is what is what most of the criticism about Yeah, this it was movie very like I like, have a letterbox account was there was yeah. a lot of the criticism of the movie. Yeah. Um so I don't know. But yeah, I think you you make a you make a fine populist case for this movie and i'll check it out i'll watch it um yeah here's the other thing the other thing i was doing while i was forgetting to watch bullet train is dog i keep playing guilty gear strive and i i am not like great at fighting listen i want y'all to know that he keeps texting me theme songs from this video game that's how deep he is into it I haven't opened a, like I'm not even gonna like I didn't Google it when I when you tested me about it I don't know what it is you know I've heard of it I don't no. know what platform it's on all the platforms Micah all of them all the platforms Micah here's the thing I remember back I was like years ago I think back when I first got into video games and I bought a PS4 and I happened to to download one of the Guilty Gear games. And I was like playing the tutorial, right? And it's like, keep in mind, the only experience I had before that is Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. And really, only Street Fighter. I'm playing a tutorial for this fucking Guilty Gear game, like 20, 2015 or some shit. I'm getting my ass beat in the tutorial. And also, the tutorial is like 50 parts long. So I bounce off it hard. And then this time around, I think the same thing's going to happen. But it looks so cool. It's an anime fighter, Micah. You fucking love anime. You love it. Don't you, did you true. play Dragon Ball? The what's it called? Dragon Ball Fighters. Did you? Were you not in fact playing Dragon Ball Fighters at one point? Um, I was playing Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. I haven't Kakarot. gotten fighters. By yeah, no, I didn't have. I've, I'm def, I'm sure that I have played it, but I have not played an anime fighter in some time. Uh, this is this is my first one, and I'm I'm getting destroyed. I'm getting destroyed in online casual unranked. Play. I'm getting destroyed, but I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. I'm playing Bridget. I got my yo yo. I'm trying to do my yo yo setups. I keep getting hit by 
full screen ground slams from Potemkin. I don't want to talk about it, but it's a good game. I feel like it's good on beginners. That is a thing I would recommend to the audience this week. Guilty Gear Strive. I tried playing Biking. I don't really get her buttons. I'm sorry. I'm playing Bridget now. Season two. I got the season pass. I'm playing on PC, though. You're not going to find me on PS5. <laughs> find me on Steam. Get at me. Soundonlypod at gmail.com. Michael, what else? We build the four war new towers. It's you so much. No, I actually got nothing else. <laughs> um, um, there's stuff we could talk about next week. I know the Meg album came out. I haven't listened yet. I've been listening to R&B because I'm writing about R&B at the moment. Um, the Meg album, Raw Wave came out. Like, there's a lot going on. Listeners should email us. We should take some sort of informal poll via our email inbox with people want us to talk about. Raw Wave, Megan Stallion, I don't know. Doughboy, maybe. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's, the Young Nudie tape, you know. The, or, yo, we could we could talk about the Young Nudie tape. We both listened to it, but yeah. you know, we, 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 we could hold it. We could um, hold it. Yeah, you know, uh, negative shit or diabolical shit mm. or positive, airy, light, and romantic shit. Whatever Wrong, you're into. False. E- I mean, like, email us about it. At soundonlypod at gmail.com. That's right. That's all we got this week. That's right. That's all we got. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. I'm going to watch Bullet Train. Y'all should also watch The Commuter. I still can't get over how good the fucking commuter is. I love The Commuter. <laughs> we could have talked about it, but you know what? We talk- There's enough trains. Watch The Commuter. I'm going to watch Bullet Train. Uh, Quid pro quo. We'll see on train to Busan. You know, <laughs> we're just like we just watch some train movies, man. We're just yeah. Choo choo. <laughs>